Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Being at Nebraska during that period of time, I had some incredibly good friends, and we're still close today. Um, football. It was football that brought us – we rallied around football. That's, that's, that's why we became such good, good friends, you know. Um, and, you know, even to this day, that's, that's what we rally around, you know, Nebraska football. Just got to start winning again. (laughs) (laughs) That always helps. Yeah, yeah. These are the tales of college football past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off field moments, memories of personal fandom catastrophe and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. I'm Joe. And I'm Kyle. We do the work. You tell the story. These are the college football stories. Hi, I'm Todd Wolverton. I'm here with you tonight to talk to you about the 1983-84 Nebraska Cornhusker football team. Coming into the 1983 football season, Nebraska uh, was uh, ranked number one in the country and coming off a year where uh, they experienced one loss uh, to Penn State. Uh, Most Nebraska fans uh, look back at that loss in Beaver Stadium as one of the worst officiated football games in college football history. Um, I remember seeing T-shirts that were drawn up of the football field in Beaver Stadium with a little square that was out of bounds because of a pass that was caught out of <laughs> bounds uh, by Penn State, clearly out of bounds. And you know, in this day and age of instant replay, there's no way that that, uh, that would have been ruled a catch today. Um, but they got beat by Penn State in the third game of the season, 27-24. Uh, to 24, And then they ran the table. Uh, from there on out, um, you know, they had a close game against Oklahoma in Lincoln. 
Uh, Oklahoma was ranked 11th at the time, and Nebraska was three. Um, you know, for Nebraska fans, that was the big rivalry game. Oklahoma was always the big game of the season. Uh, Nebraska won 28-24. I remember that game like it was yesterday. Uh, a lot of my friends, to, you know, to this day, uh, we think back and we talk about that game. And um, I have a very fond personal memory because, you know, it was Nebraska is finally going to beat Oklahoma. Tom Osborne is finally going to beat Barry Switzer. And at that time, I was a student, and we had seats in the lower level and in the student section. And, and uh, when it was apparent that uh, Nebraska was going to win the game in the last minute, we all were down on the field. And I can remember my toes were right up against the boundary line, right up against it, until they started counting off, you know, the, the numbers. And when they got to zero, I just remember flooding onto the onto the stadium uh, floor, onto the field. And it was just absolute insanity. Um, I did not partake, partake in the tearing down of the goalpost. A couple of my friends did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was an incredible victory for Nebraska. And, uh, you know, then they ended the season uh, going out to Hawaii and, and winning out there. And then they beat LSU in the Orange Bowl, 21 to 20. And I also remember that. Because uh, that same group of friends that uh, I was with we, uh, uh, at the Oklahoma game, we went to Aspen for uh, Christmas break. We had a, one of my very close friends grew up in Aspen. And so we stayed at his house and went skiing. And, of course, you know, the, the big night was to watch the Orange Bowl. And they had a blizzard out there in the mountains. And we could not get any reception where we were staying <laughs> for the LSU Orange Bowl game. And so we were just, we didn't know what to do. So we ended up um, getting into town, uh, got the four-wheel drive out, and we drove down into, into Aspen. And we watched the second half of the LSU-Nebraska Orange Bowl game on a television set in a bar in Aspen. So um, I guess there's worse places that you could be, you know, to, Absolutely. Watch, to watch a football <laughs> game. But, uh, you know, going into the 1983 season, you know, Nebraska fans thought, that, um, you know, they, they ended the season number three um, at the, in the 82 season. But Nebraska fans expected things to be much better uh, in 1983. And um, as I said, you know, going into the season, I, you know, I, I should have said I believe they were ranked number one. I think they were, at least what I was looking at, they were number one. And, and the beauty of it was that they got to start the season uh, in 1983 with Penn State. So that one loss, that very disappointing loss, you know, getting ripped off, you know, on that pass catch out of bounds. Um, now Nebraska had an opportunity to exact a little revenge. And um, 1983 is the most memorable season for me, even though it's been quite a few years. Uh, I'm, I'm getting up there. I'm, you can see with the gray hair. But uh, I was a student on campus. I knew some of the players that were on that team. And, um it was uh, it, it was a, a great time to be a Nebraska Cornhusker fan at that point in time. Excellent. So, uh, just kind of starting off, uh, can you tell us about about the Penn State game to uh, to kick off the season? Yeah, um, they played in the kickoff classic. I, it might have been the first kickoff classic. I'm not sure. I'd sure. have to check on that. But they, they played it, uh, you know, out of the East, East Rutherford in Giants Stadium, and it started off, the, you know, the whole season. And um, Nebraska just blew them out. Uh, I, the final score is 44-6. to six. And they, they absolutely left no doubt 
um, you know, who the best team in the country was at that point in time. Penn State was ranked number four. You know, I, I should back up just a minute here. The, the Nebraska knew that they were going to have a high-powered offense. Um, they, uh, they had posters out, uh, the poster schedules prior to the start of the season, you know, with the scoring explosion. And, um, you know, the three players that were featured on those posters were the quarterback, Turner Gill, the running back, Mike Rozier, who ended up winning the Heisman Trophy, and then uh, wingback Irving Fryer. And everybody knew that Nebraska was going to run that ball up and down the field, and uh, they were going to put a lot of points on the board. And I think uh, if the, you know, the national pundits, if the national media wasn't aware of how powerful they were going to be offensively, uh, they sure found that out in that Penn State game, putting up 44 points against Penn State. Um, I think that that brought a lot of people, um, that brought a lot of attention by a lot of people to, to truly how good Nebraska could be in that 1983 season. Yeah, that's a uh, always a lot of fun when you think you're going to have a good team and then you come out the gate and you do have a good team because I'm sure Penn State thought they were going to have a good team that year too. Yeah, I'm sure Penn State thought they were going to be pretty good. And, um, you know, that may, that makes a win like that better, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> so. Somehow Nebraska fumbled nine times that game, though, I read, but only lost one of them. So I guess I guess it wasn't all roses. Uh I'm sure the coaches use that as motivation to come Monday before the before whoever they whoever they played next, whether it was Minnesota or someone else that following week. But yeah, well, I I do remember times that Nebraska had a hard time hanging on the ball. But now here's here's a little bit of foreshadowing. Sometimes Nebraska fumbled on purpose. Okay, so as ridiculous as that sounds, I'll bring you back to that when we get to the end of the season. Um, but uh, you know, certainly they weren't fumbling the ball on purpose. And, and I know that um, that certainly gave Coach Osborne, Coach Solich was the running back coach then, uh, that, that certainly gave them plenty, you know, to keep, uh, to get the attention of the offense when they, when they got back to practice that next week, getting ready for Wyoming. Um, you know, and Wyoming, they played Wyoming at the first home game and beat them 56 to 20. You know, Wyoming is you know they share a border but um the only thing i think really that nebraska ever concerned themselves with uh in regard to wyoming is that that's where um coach devaney had been before he came to nebraska and resurrected the program um but you know that was one of those games where um nebraska fans expected a blowout uh nebraska gave them a blowout but also um mike rogier uh in that game um, I don't know how many yards he had, but he was just incredible. Um, you know, probably very few people, you know, unless you're a diehard Nebraska fan, know much about Mike Rozier. Uh, he was a junior college transfer and came to Nebraska the, the year before. And uh, he was so physical. He was incredibly quick. He could get to the corner quick. But Rozier was one of those guys that he sought out contact. He didn't run away from people. Um, he looked to lower the boom on on people trying to come up and make a tackle. And he was just an incredible running back. And um, against Wyoming, uh, he was just he was just outstanding. Um, you know, so that's I, I it was that Wyoming game was the first game of the season, you know, that I got to see 
I didn't go out to Penn State. I guess I watched it on TV. But, um, you know, I, I do remember Rozier up and down the field uh, in that game against Wyoming. So then, you know, the next game they played was uh, against Minnesota at Minnesota. And Nebraska won uh, 84 to 13. And uh, 84 points is a lot of points. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it, was, it was just one of those games where, you know, you, you basically, you know, watching on TV, you, you basically just quit watching the game and you spent more time figuring out how many beers you were going to get drunk by the end of the night. Um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was something else. And, and um, you know, the, the thing about Minnesota and, and you know, I, I'm old and sometimes, you know, I get my years mixed up. But I know that I think this was, you know, this is the year, I think, before Lou Holtz was there. But um, Nebraska, they scored as many points the next year, too, you know, when they played Minnesota again or whatever. But um, – um, it, it's really ironic because I remembered, I remember Nebraska blowing Minnesota out, and Minnesota was bad. And then you know sometimes it's it's interesting the the little twists and turns that life takes. It's been you know it's probably been about eight years ago now that um, I met a guy by the name of Dave Puck. Uh, he's a he's a a dentist down in uh, in Iowa and. Um, his daughter started playing softball with my daughter and we got to talking one night and Dave Puck played football at Minnesota during this time. And as a matter of fact, Dave Puck was the one that scored the only touchdown that Minnesota, <laughs> Minnesota scored. And, uh, you know, it, and I, I, I can't imitate it. And because I can't imitate it, I'm not even going to try, but anybody that knows college football, um, you can imagine, you can hear Lou Holtz talking. You can hear Lou Holtz's <laughs> voice with that, with that lisp. And now remember this la- this guy's last name was Puck. So imagine <laughs> what, what Lou Holtz could do with Puck with that lisp. And, um, so he got to telling stories about Lou Holtz, um, you know, yelling at him and, and lisping his way through Puck. And uh, he says, you know, I would have thought that since I scored the only touchdown against Nebraska, that would have been worth something in Coach Holtz's eyes. But it never was. And, uh, you know, it, it was he got more playing time in that Nebraska game than he did the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, Lou, Lou Holtz uh, uh, continuously butchered his name with that list. And, and uh, I just thought it was ironic that, you know, our, our daughters are playing on a softball team together and as we get swapping stories and he finds out I'm a big Nebraska fan, you know, living in the state of Iowa, I'm a big Nebraska fan. And, and uh, that I remembered that football game that he played in. I, I thought that was just really ironic. So um, I did find a picture of him scoring the, the, the touchdown and sent it to him and put a clever caption on it. But anyway, uh, you know, Nebraska absolutely dominated, blew Minnesota out. And then, you know, then it was kind of on for the next two weeks because UCLA and Syracuse uh, both came into Nebraska and Nebraska, you know, put up 42 on UCLA. They put up 63 on Nebraska, or excuse me, on Syracuse. Um, but then, you know, it seems like every season, you know, even the very best teams, you know, they have that game. And that game came on the next weekend on October 8th when um, Oklahoma State, they played Oklahoma State down in Stillwater. And Nebraska escaped uh, 14 to 10. And, 
you know, something you have to understand about Nebraska fans in the 80s and the 90s. Um, even though you you had a win, even though the team won, if you didn't have style points, that didn't count. And Nebraska fans were very disgruntled. And as a matter of fact, you know, I can remember some guys on the dorm floor that, you know, walking around saying, you know, we ain't crap. Oh, my God, we only beat Oklahoma State by four points. You know, I mean, they were just absolutely miserable. And um, I think that there was a mindset among Nebraska fans, you know, to, you know, a lot of them were spoiled. Um, and uh, for them not to, to put up a whole bunch of points against uh, Oklahoma State was very disheartening to the fans. Um, and they had Missouri coming up the next week, and that was another away game. And the one thing we could always count on was Missouri back then is that Missouri was going to always play Nebraska tough. It was always uh, a very physical game, a very hard-hitting game. And, you know, if memory serves me right, it always seemed like there was some kind of a crucial injury that came out of uh, the Missouri game. And, uh, you know, a lot of the diehard Nebraska fans, you know, they always would say some pretty negative things about Missouri and, and you know, cheap shot guys and that kind of stuff. But anyway, Nebraska did go down to Missouri, and that was the ABC game of the week. Um, that that was Missouri's homecoming. And Nebraska pasted them pretty good. It was 34-13. And um, they they kind of got back in the groove after the Oklahoma State game. Um, Nebraska's other big rival at that time in, uh, you know, the big, the big eight conference was, um, Colorado, um, Colorado came to Lincoln and, and Nebraska just smoked them 69 to 19. And, um, then that followed up with Kansas state. Uh, they beat Kansas state 51 to 25. Um, that was before Bill Snyder. Um, that was when Kansas state was probably the worst football program in the United States. Um, and then <laughs> getting ready then? getting ready for uh, the Oklahoma game. Then they finished with Iowa State and Kansas before Oklahoma, and they beat Iowa State 72-29. And, uh, you know, that was a tough one for Cyclone fans, and I've got a lot of Cyclone fans in my family. Uh, then they so, beat Kansas. 69-19. to 19. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever played squares before in football. Two nines has to be like one of the most difficult to get squares, right? Impossible. That's the one where you see it and you throw your, you just like rip up your money right away and say, <laughs> yeah, no chance. Yeah. That one, I'm not going to win anything, but yeah. for, I mean, that's a 50 or excuse me. Uh, yeah. 50 points, right? Yeah. 50 points. Yeah. Right? That's a massive victory yet. Here we are 69 to 19. Somebody who thought they were going to lose a, a squares game really made some money. <laughs> and, and they probably went home. They probably left and didn't collect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, uh, the best quote I found from that game was the, one of the Colorado cornerbacks just goes about the second half. Cause, uh, I think the game and Todd, you can tell me different. I think the game was close early on and Nebraska kind of just turned it on. Uh, I think they scored like 48 in the second half or whatever it was. But the best quote was, it was like someone dropped the atom bomb on us to start the second half. And it just became a, a absolute, I think it was, uh, it was one of the Colorado cornerbacks that said that. So I it goes probably back to the offensive explosion of Nebraska. Just, they 
could quickly change a game into what felt close to something that we're now talking about what squares that could we could have on at the end of the game because that's all that we could remember about it well and you know i was looking a few things up too and you know that's you're right because you know that's where people then referenced back, you know, to that theme or that nickname, the scoring explosion, because in the third quarter, Nebraska put up 41 points in like two minutes, three minutes time of possession, 41 points in less than three minutes of time of possession. That's just insane. Probably all run, probably all running too. And and they probably were though. Turner Gill, you know, Turner Gill could throw the ball and you know, that's something that, um, you know, even though, yeah, they were predominantly, they were a, uh, an I formation power I option football team. That's who they were. But Turner Gill was an incredible athlete and he could throw and he used the tight ends quite a bit back then. Um, but yeah, I'm sure the vast majority of it was running. And and the, the beauty of that Colorado win is, you know, in the big eight conference back at that period of time, um, Oklahoma was Nebraska's rival without question. Colorado was hate. Colorado was hate. And, you know, Colorado wanted Nebraska to be their rival. And, you know, the years run together for me. But I know that, you know, when uh, Bill McCartney became the coach out there, you know, he started circling the Nebraska game, you know, in red on the calendar. And he was trying to create, you know, that rivalry with Nebraska. And, you know, I don't know, maybe there was enough arrogance among Nebraska fans to say, you know, we're not going to be your rivals. Oklahoma is our rival. Um, but you know, there was a lot of hate and I don't know if what you guys know about, uh, playing games out at Folsom field, there've been Nebraska games out there within the last 10 years where they've emptied the student section. They've stopped the game and emptied the student section because the students are pelting the field with bottles and anything that they can throw. I mean, and that was going on back in that era as well. I mean, Folsom field was a, uh, an incredibly difficult place to play and Nebraska fans, you know, they traveled in force. That's not that far a drive for them to get there. And, you know, they'd all come back with war stories about, you know, what happened to them in, in Boulder, Colorado. Now it's all hippies over there. So they wouldn't you know, do anything <laughs> that would break a bottle. That would be well, a terrible thing. They need to recycle and reuse. I think they were hippies back then. I just, maybe they were, <laughs> Maybe they were militant hippies. I don't know. <laughs> so the, the yeah. other, the other best thing from that run you just went through against the Iowa State game, and the funniest quote I think of the whole year I found was, "Once you guys Iowa State, you put up seventy two on them." The only thing Osborne said after the game was, "We had a hard time stopping them because I think you gave up like twenty uh, <laughs> instead." So again, Price sums up his attitude of just what kind of coach he was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tom Osborne. Uh, oh, you know, you guys could do or people could do multiple podcasts about Tom Osborne. But, you know, Tom Osborne, he always um, he was so dry. I mean, he was just so dry, but he would have quips like that. And, uh, you know, but for him to say, you know, yeah, the or Iowa State did score 29 points on him. And that was the most that anybody scored on him that year until the Orange Bowl. And um you know, Iowa State probably took pride in it. In fact, I, I know they took pride in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that that um, that was quite the stretch. That was quite the run. And, of course, Kansas, you know, they shellacked Kansas. And um, Who doesn't? Yeah, 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 who doesn't? And then, that, you know, that 
brought it up to the to the game against uh, Oklahoma uh, down in Norman. And, uh, you know, Nebraska ended up winning that game 28-21. And, you know, I kind of described for you the, you know, the game the year before. Um, but that game down in, in Norman, of course, uh, you know, Oklahoma was Oklahoma. And uh, Nebraska, you know, uh, won that game 28-21. And that, um, you know, left them the, the top-ranked team in the, in the country uh, at the end of the regular season. Um, I honestly don't remember a whole lot about that Oklahoma game. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, I remember that we were very, very nervous. Um, I think, you know, the, the Nebraska fan base was very nervous because they knew that because it was Oklahoma, certainly Oklahoma could win. And if Oklahoma would win, you know, the thoughts and the dreams of that national championship uh, would be dashed. And, um, you know, I don't know how many years uh, the Orange Bowl bid, you know, came down to that last game of the season uh, between Nebraska and Oklahoma. And Nebraska fans were very well aware that Oklahoma over the years had gotten the best of Nebraska um, in that final game and tended to get the Orange Bowl bid. So, um, you know, uh, it was a good win for Nebraska. Uh, they won the, the Big Eight Conference. And, uh, you know, they got uh, the bid to go to the Orange Bowl to play for the national championship um, against Miami. And so they get to play the number one team in the country, gets to play Miami for the national championship in Miami's home stadium. And, um, you know, Nebraska. Did both of their fans come? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at, at Nebraska, Miami was on the upswing, you know. I mean, this was this was the beginning of Miami being someone. And uh, um, I think everybody knew that it was going to be a, a tough game. But I, I, I know that Nebraska expected to win the game. And, um, you know, that's, that's not what happened. But, uh, you know, they, they did play for the national championship. Um, and... Uh, if, if my memory serves me right, uh, Howard Schellenberger was the, the coach, and I think Bernie Kosar was the quarterback um, for, for Miami. Um, but, you know, Nebraska was going in with, with, you know, all the credentials. I mean, you know, Rogier is the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, I think, you know, some media outlets had named Tom Osborne the National Coach of the Year. They were the number one team uh, going in. And... Um, in my mind, it was one of the most incredible football games that I've, I've ever seen in my life. Um, and uh, I think what stands out about it the most, um, you know, for me, you know, isn't the fact that Miami beat them 31 to 30. It's that um, it, it kind of sealed, um, you know, the kind of the legend of Tom Osborne because uh, Nebraska scored late. And uh, Osborne opted to go for two. And uh, Nebraska had been very successful running the ball um, in that game. They, 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 they wore Miami down. I, I remember, you know, watching the game and then watching, you know, the reruns of the game and clips from the game. And, you know, the Miami defensive line, they were just, they were incredible. Um, but Nebraska wore them down. And, you know, those guys had their hands on their knees. They were breathing deep. Um, 
you know, and I, I then, you know, Nebraska finally popped, you know, and got a late touchdown. Um, excuse me. I guess it wasn't a late touchdown. It was a touchdown in the first half, but I, I mentioned to you, um, how Nebraska fumbled on purpose. Sometimes, um, they had a game, they had a play in the playbook that they called the fumble ruski and they had run it, you know, previously, uh, not, you know, maybe once or twice, but for them to pull it off in a big game, you know, a national championship game, you know, to even attempt it, let alone, you know, have it be successful. Um, but the way the play worked was, was pretty slick. You know, Turner Gill would uh, be under center and he'd get the snap and he'd literally, once the ball was in his hands, he would lay it down on the ground between the, um, you know, right behind the center. And Dean Steinkuhler, who won the Outland Trophy, he was the guard. And what they would do is they, the action they'd have was, you know, basically a pulling guard, but he'd pull the opposite way of the backfield motion. And so, you know, Turner Guild, he takes, takes the hike from under center. He puts the ball on the ground and then they're moving. I believe they're moving to the right, you know, typical option action to the right. And all the motion is going that way, except for the guys on the outside of the left side of the line. And Dean Steinkuhler, he picks up the ball and he's going left against all of the, you know, against the pursuit of Miami. And Miami didn't see him pick up the ball. They're following the, the option motion. And Dean Steinkuhler ended up scoring a touchdown. And, um, you know, the, the, I remember the announcers, you know, just going nuts, you know, because they'd been tipped about the whole fumble ruski and there might be a trick play. And they were just going bonkers about this fumble ruski and Dean Steinkuhler scoring on that. Now, I don't remember if it was the next year. It wasn't long after that that they banned you know, the fumble ruski that they, they changed the rules and you couldn't do the fumble ruski anymore, but Nebraska did it in that game. Um, but it, you know, in the fourth quarter, like I said, you know, Nebraska had, they, they'd worn them down and Nebraska scored late and coach Osborne, you know, he, he didn't even hesitate. He said, we're going for two. And when they interviewed him after the word afterwards, you know, and even years afterwards, he said, you know, they had talked about it. They had talked about if it comes down to this, are we going to go for the tie? Are we going to go for the win? And they had decided that they were going to go for the win. Uh, they called a little uh, rollout pass to the right, and they got Jeff Smith, who was in at running back. He was a better pass catcher than um, Mike Rozier. Uh, he ran just a little flat pattern out to the right, and Turner Gill rolled that way. And Smith was open, and Gill just threw it just beyond his fingertips. If Turner Gill would have... You know, had that six inches closer, uh, Jeff Smith would have caught that ball. Nebraska would have gotten the two-point conversion, and they would have been national champions. Um, but that's not how it worked out. Nebraska ended up getting beat, and uh, that kind of started the Miami dynasty, if you will. Todd, in the moment, how did what, – what was your feelings when you saw the offense stay out on the field? You know, I was all for it. And I remember – you know, I remember this um, – I remember, you know, we all, we were all standing. I mean, how could, you know, you were, were, we were in this living room watching this game on TV and, you know, it's just like being in the stadium. You know, you're, you, you just, you got that adrenaline going through your system and, you know, it's okay. Got, you know, let's go, let's go, you know, and we were all standing up and man, I got goosebumps right now, even thinking about it. And, um, 
I was I was all in. Yeah, go for the win. Go for the win. You know, and I'm not going to tell you that I'm the greatest college football historian, but I know that for generations, Era Parsegian was criticized for going for a tie in a big game uh, years ago. You know, at Notre Dame. I, I mean, he was he was Era Parsegian was a, an incredible, credible coach, but you know, he people criticized him up until his death. You know, for going for the tie, and you know, I just I just was so. It just felt really great, you know. Tom Osborne, you know, put his money where his mouth was. I mean, you know, people can, it's easy to say, what would you do in those circumstances? Well, we'll go for the win. We'll go for the win. Well, doggone it, Tom Osborne did. They went for the win, and they came up inches short. Did it lose them the national championship? Yeah, it lost them the national championship. Would they have been the national champions? Who knows? You know, that's that, that period of time. There were two polls that picked the national champions. You know, uh, Nebraska had a split national championship, I think, in 97. I think that was the one that was split with Michigan. You know, maybe one of the polls would have picked Nebraska um, had it been a tie, and the other poll would have gone with whomever. I don't know. But, you know, I think think that the attitude was, if we're going to be national champions, you know, we're going to be an undefeated national champion, and we're going to go through the front door and not come through the back door. And – I've never changed my mind on it. I, I, you know, that's been many, many years ago. And I still, yeah, go for two, go for two. Uh, especially when you've got a power run game, you typically are able to get those yards. And, and you know, isn't it funny that they didn't run it? They threw <laughs> it. And, and, you know, deja vu a few years ago in the Super Bowl, you got yep. Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> and they throw the ball. You know, the Seahawks. Um, yeah, you know, uh, but I think, you know, I think what Osborne was trying to do, you know, was was trick him, you know. And um, uh, he had a lot of faith in Turner Gill. Turner Gill is my favorite Nebraska player. I mean, he's, regardless of who else has been there, you know, Tommy Frazier, uh, Mike Rogier, um, you know, there have been a lot of great Nebraska players uh, and Dominican Sue um, over the years. But Turner Gill was my favorite player, and he was the right guy for that moment. Unfortunately, he just didn't get the pass, you know, to Jeff Smith. You know, I uh, you, you speak about Ndamukong Sue. That guy was godly. I hate to divert too much, but that was one dominant college football player. Not to say he's not been a good pro, uh, not without his controversy, but my goodness, I don't think I have seen – a more truly dominant defensive football player for two-year time stretch. Oh, my goodness. It was fun to watch him play during the college, uh, you know, his college years. He was, he was virtually unstoppable. And, you know, he'd grab – I remember in that game against Missouri down there in the rain. God, it was raining cats and dogs. And he'd just blast through that line and he'd get a hold. I think it was Blaine Gabbert was the quarterback back then maybe. Yep. He just threw him around like a rag doll. And then he did the same thing with Colt McCoy. He and did. He just, he just tossed M- Colt McCoy from one side to another. Yeah, he was. Well, wasn't was, that the game where they just went ahead and let Texas kick a couple extra field goals just in case they, you know, even though time was over? Yeah, yeah. You know, that was, uh, they found a second here and there. Um, yeah, the one <laughs> second game. Yeah. <laughs> game. Now, one you talk about game. bad officiating. They bad officiated and... 
then bad uh, replayed it because you're not even allowed to replay that. You can't replay the clock, but they did. Yeah, they did, uh, didn't they? I, re I hadn't thought about that. Yes, they did. They replayed the clock. You know, <laughs> Oklahoma has was notorious for getting the bad calls during those replays when they first came out. The Oregon game was like the worst one. There were three totally blown calls, one being that they – they actually kicked the ball eight yards. An Oregon player touched it first. Oklahoma comes out of the pile with the ball, hands it to the ref, and they go back and replay, and they give the ball to Oregon. And it was just like, <laughs> they were like, well, we can't replay the yardage. Like, yeah. well, but, like, the idiocracy just occurred. You know, it was, it was something else. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't know. You know, Nebraska fans whine about officials. I, I, I don't, I, I have officiated, you know, it's, oh, it's hard. not an easy job, but you know, uh, it, you know, with, with Osborne teams, they didn't make many mistakes. I mean, you know, they didn't have many penalties, you know, those teams in the eighties and in the 1990s, um, they were incredibly disciplined teams. And that's the kind of football, you know, that I like. And that's why I liked, you know, those teams so much. Um, players played hard. Um, they didn't have very many penalties. Um, they didn't make the stupid mistakes on the field. Um, th th those, were, those were fun teams to watch. And, you know, I guess, you know, like I said, the 83 team, I was a student there. Um, you know, I, I, I guess it's like a lot of things that I kind of consider that, you know, my team, those are my teams, you know, that I was cheering for the closest because I was a, a student there. And like I said, I knew some of the players um, uh, that were on the team and, you know, uh, socialized with them a little bit in the offseason. Um, but, uh, you know, that that was a remarkable, remarkable year. Um, and, you know, there's people can throw out all kinds of hyperbole that might've been the best team not to have won a national championship. I mean, arguably, um, I think that, you know, when people want to make those arguments about Nebraska teams, that team always is in the argument, even though they didn't win the national championship. Um, they're usually tossed out there as, you know, one of the, one of the best. Um, and, and, uh, you know, just the the personalities, you know, the players um, that that were on that team. And, um, yeah, that's – I think that's also when – because they came close and because Tom Osborne showed his medal, um, I think that made it easier for Tom Osborne in the years to come because there were Nebraska fans during that period of time who, uh, you know, Tom Osborne can't win the big one, can't beat Oklahoma. Um, Tom Osborne looked at the job at Colorado when Colorado hired, I think, <laughs> former Oklahoma coach uh, Chuck Fairbanks. I think that's when it was. But I do know that Tom Osborne explored, you know, the Colorado job, maybe even interviewed for it. Think about what would have happened if that would have gone down. Um, but I think – you know, Osborne had been successful for quite a few years, and uh, I think the way that he coached that game, I think that is what – I think that that would kind of cemented him at, at Nebraska. How much 
based off of how this season ended, and it, like you said, may as well have been the best Nebraska team, maybe one of the best teams ever to not win a title. How much sweeter or what what additional meaning did 94 have beating Miami in the exact same spot with Osborne still at the helm? That was incredible. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, we've talked about, you know, how, how emotional people get and, you know, I, I'm an educator and, and, you know, I enough ed psychology and that kind of stuff, you know, how, if, if, a, if a teacher wants a, a student to remember something the you get them you, the way you remember things the best is to attach emotion to it whether that's joy anger sadness whatever the emotion is you attach emotion to an event or emotion to content you remember it that game against miami uh in 94 um warren sap warren sap he was he was amazing. Um, Nebraska beating the Nebraska offensive line beating. Uh, and I don't think people thought that that was possible. And the, the, the visual that I have from that game is Warren Sapp on one knee with that white Jersey and those orange pants, just dirt stained and grass stained and sweat stained you know, and this look of defeat on his face. Um, Osborne won that game. Um, I was watching that game with my parents. And um, I remember, I remember just the absolute joy, crying. Um, and because it was Miami, you're right. Because it was Miami, that made it, just incredibly sweet. And, you know, think about Miami between those two games from 83 to 94. I mean, was there a better run, you know, for a call? Well, okay. We got Alabama now. Current <laughs> 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 Alabama one's hard to. Yeah. To but <laughs> up to that point, you know, I mean, that was the U they were the U and, um, and Nebraska beat them and Nebraska got them. And, um, uh, yeah, that was that was incredible. I actually remember more about the '95 game, you know, because Tommy Frazier was just incredible against Florida. Um, but you know, back to the '94 game, you know, that's when Brooke Berenger, um, Brooke Berenger was the quarterback in that game, and then they brought Tommy Frazier off the bench. Tommy Frazier had been out a good portion of the season because of blood clots. Uh, Brooke Berenger was the guy that engineered that season. And he played very well in the, in the Orange Bowl. But, you know, it's kind of like they brought in the fresh legs. Uh, and and uh, once Tommy Frazier got on the field, they just took that offense to a new level. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember that very, very well. To tie it back to 83, and we'll maybe end on this question, but would you have gone for two? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, I, I was – I was Ford at that time. Um, I would have done it. Now, you know, I, I coached a little bit. I've coached, you know, in different sports, and I coached a little football. Um, not real well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd have had the guts to do it. You know, um, 
you know, there's a, there's a lot of fans in the stadium that that uh, you know think they're coaches, um, and they, you know some are screaming, you know, go for two, go for two, and you know, kick it, kick it, kick it. But one guy has that decision. And that's Tom Osborne, and um, uh, I I was I was 100% on board. I, I, I go for it, go for it, go for the win. You know, yeah, absolutely. I love it. And one of the follow-up questions, uh, we talked about it earlier that the Nebraska helmet used to have an N and a U, and then these U's were phased out because uh, I guess they started to peel off and they didn't couldn't afford to put new ones on or something. Do you think they actually just sold them to Miami and that's how <laughs> Miami became the U? <laughs> you know, maybe that's what happened there. You know, I, I had never heard that in, until you guys brought that up. And but it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, there when you when it's it's changed drastically. I mean, you know, Nebraska football, Nebraska athletics, they're as corporate and as modern as any college program in the country uh, today. Um, in the 1980s, Nebraska had an edge on everyone. They were more advanced than every other program in the country because of their strength and conditioning program. They had Boyd Epley. They committed to strength training long before any other programs did, and they did it at a high level for years and years and years, and couple that with the nutrition programs that they had. That was the advantage that Nebraska had. You know, eventually, everybody steals the good ideas. Eventually, everybody else got to where Nebraska was at and, and exceeded them, you know, along those lines. And one of the things about Nebraska is they've always – you know, look for ways to be innovative and to change and to try to develop that edge, you know. Um, but um, one of the things, but back to the U's and the ends of the stickers, that doesn't surprise me at all because <laughs> back during that era, everybody that worked in that department, they were all these old gray-haired guys like I am now, you know, that walked around in, in you know, gray sweatshirts and gray sweatpants rolled up and a towel around their neck and a cigar in their you know, bit off cigar in their cheek and one of those baseball hats like Babe Ruth used to wear. I mean, that's what they all looked like. And, you know, hell, we can't afford stickers. You know, stickers, <laughs> you know, the hell with it. You know, we're not taking stickers off those helmets. You know, I, I could I, I could see that. I could. I don't know if that's true, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> those kinds of stories always make for fun, uh, new memories to make up. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and Nebraska, you know, every every college football program has history and stories and that type of thing. And you know, um, back in that era, back in the the early to mid '80s, um, you know, the, what what I remember about Nebraska during that period of time were the games with Oklahoma, and um, you know, just offensive football that teams had a hard time stopping and um you know they they had some personalities on that team uh dave remington uh was was a center on those teams uh he he won uh the outland a couple of times um you know maybe one of the best centers in the history of college football um you know and, and he was a character um uh, 
Irving Fryer, he had a lot of, he was very dynamic, a um, uh, lot of class, uh, you know, a high draft pick, played for the Patriots. And then, you know, you had Tanner, Tanner, uh, Turner Gill, who was steady Eddie, you know, and very soft-spoken, uh, but just an amazing, amazing athlete. Um, but, you know, that, 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 that's when Nebraska kind of, they took it to that level where they were going to be competitive every year again. There you have it. That is the story. And these are the college football stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the CFB stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. The full and Todd, we'll probably jump around now. They, yep. they have probably some really good endings from the Miami stuff right there. So I, Kyle and I were trying to throw in stuff. Just the, the we appreciate the emotion. I love that. I saw all three of our eyes kind of light up with some of that stuff because that's what that's like we said. That's what we want. But uh, some the other funny like full circle stories. I forgot Jimmy Johnson coached that Oklahoma State game or the Oklahoma State oh. team. So the full circleness of like him and then the Miami star of the dynasty because he took over at Miami the next year. Uh, and it's just kind of funny how everyone's so interconnected between those 10 years, just between pre Miami after Miami. And he obviously had, you know, he besides Oklahoma, probably the second most memorable game, just based off of how close it was. Okay. Yeah. Light has been the uh the stepping stone for a lot of good uh programs yeah. over the years oh yeah well Les miles, les miles. you know yeah. jimmy johnson yeah i mean that's two like legacy level player i mean i mean now les miles is embattled with some of the issues he's got now but still yeah. he produced at a, a high level for colleges for many years and yeah. same thing for jimmy johnson and then going and winning super bowls and like Jerry Jones's arch nemesis slash greatest friend. <laughs> yeah. You know what, what would be interesting, you know, you talk about that and I, my mind just kind of wandered and, and, you know, it's hard to compare eras, but wouldn't it have been cool if, if Jimmy Johnson and Nick Saban were coaching college football at the same time, could you imagine, you know, if both of them having, you know, the Jimmy Johnson Miami programs and the and the Nick Saban Alabama programs. Holy moly. That would that would be something. That would be something. Or if the level of oversight of how to sneak money to players was <laughs> at the equivalent level of Barry Switzer. Because Switzer could have competed, you know, in this modern era if all the games he was playing back then were, you know, kosher. <laughs> So uh, I was just saying that Barry Switzer, I, I've had the privilege to meet him, and that guy will light up a room even oh, yeah. even now. He is, yeah. You can tell why everyone wanted to play for him. Charismatic is, is an understatement. Yep. 
Nebraska fans love Barry Switzer. They love Barry Switzer. Yeah. Did you ever hear the story of Barry Switzer? It was when uh, Bob Devaney was the AD. Osborne was the coach. But uh, Bob Devaney was the AD, and Bob Devaney did a weekly television show, even as the AD. Oklahoma came to town, and Devaney was taping his television show up at, at one of the studios in Omaha. And Barry Switzer goes to the television station where he's taping his show, and he walks on the set in the middle of the interview, and he hands Bob Devaney a hot dog. He said something along the line, Bob, you looked hungry. Have a hot dog, you know, and just interrupted <laughs> the show. I mean, how Barry Switzer is that? I mean, that's just nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's uh... – so we were we got to meet him on this little deal, and he was telling us stories, and it's like, I I felt like a little kid talking to my mentor. You know, it was like the stories were just rolling one after another, after another, after another, and you know you're like 30, 40, 50 years removed from these things, so they're a lot less uh, gray than the stories probably were 40 years ago. You couldn't get away with telling every detail but sure. now you're getting older and it's further away and come get me. Right. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, but man, it's just, it, it's pretty amazing. Like he can just captivate an entire audience full of, you know, other storytellers and, you know, and oh. writers and group. Like, I mean, you just, you listen when he talks, you listen. Yeah. Yeah. And no so doubt. I I met him right before Kyler Murray's senior season um and basically we we started to talk about kyler and he said man we tried to recruit that kid before he went to a&m we were so happy to get him he's like that that is some kind of special and i'm like well we just got done with baker mayfield he was awesome and he's like <laughs> no i said kyler murray's some kind of special sure oh sure. oh okay <laughs> like different it, it's amazing yeah yeah no doubt no doubt the other thing that I, I, when I was looking stuff up about the year that, and you brought it up during, as you were going is how back then, you know, different polls, you could claim national titles and all that. It was a, just an absolute bloodbath in the bowl season. Cause Texas is, was number two overall. They lost their bowl game, Illinois. I looked it up. It wasn't a typo, but Illinois was number four in the country and they lost theirs as well. So like Nebraska losing became this like no one knew who the national title would be come the final poll because Miami beat them, but they had lost as well. Auburn, I Auburn was in there too. And it was just like back in those days, I couldn't imagine after that game, there was no certainty that Miami was going to be national title either. And there's probably some Nebraska fans that thought we went for two. We still deserve to be national titles uh, champions as well. Cause we went for two and we went for it. Uh, and there isn't a clear winner besides us. Yeah, and there was some of that sentiment. You're right. There was some of that. Um, you know, it kind of died died down relatively quick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, they were comparing, you know, at that point they were looking at records. And, you know, because, you're, you know, I'd forgotten that all those dominoes had fallen like that. Um, you know, and, and uh, there were people that felt like um, Nebraska had as much of a claim to it as, as Miami would. Um, but then, you know, I've got uh, a strong wrestling background and 
when uh, at wrestling tournaments, when you seed wrestlers, you know, in terms of putting the top wrestler on the top line and splitting wrestlers up, the number one criteria is head to head. And Miami won head to head. And so that's pretty tough to argue against. The uh, the one, and this is why I started doing a deep dive of internet Wikipedia pages afterwards. Auburn beat finished the season beating six top six ranked teams, five top ten teams, and Miami still jumped over them, which I think speaks more volumes to Nebraska versus yeah. everyone else. More volumes to what Nebraska was that year. Well, I, you know, and I don't remember what the what the uh, spread was for the game, uh, you know, between Miami and Nebraska. But you know, people expected Nebraska to win that game. You know, that, that was the expectation. Nebraska was going to win that game. Um, Miami was the underdog coming in, uh, and people viewed it that way. I think that the, you know, uh, I think the only people that thought it was going to be a tussle or yeah, I think the only people that thought it was going to be a tussle other than the Miami team, you know, I'm sure that Osborne and, and the Nebraska football team knew what they were going to get into. And um, so I, I, I'm sure they weren't surprised, but. Um, ten, ten and a half point favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Think of that. Ten and a half points. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. That's huge for a title game or what I guess it wasn't yeah. a title game back then, but all intensive two top five teams. But, you know, that's the respect. A, that's the a, respect people had. A road game, too. So if you would have put them on a neutral, it would have been almost two touchdowns, too. Well, you know, and, and another thing that has to be considered in that, and, you know, okay, this probably borders on excuse making. You know, <laughs> uh, well, it doesn't border on it. I've stepped over the line. Um, Nebraska played on an Astro, an old AstroTurf field, and um, it was a fast surface. And I remember that there were a lot of complaints about, you know, the kind of condition that the field was in down in Miami. Uh, it was not in very good shape. You know, they had a lot of sand in that field, um, you know, for the drainage. You know, do you, those southern fields with all that rain in those areas down there, you got to have a field that would drain. And, you know, I, and I remember that. And you could see it on the, on the players' uniforms and stuff. I mean, you know, their uniforms are just filthy because of, you know, the soil and the sand and the grass and whatnot down there. And I remember that, you know, people tried to, you know, put a little blame on the field conditions slowing Nebraska down. And it, it very, may, you know, may well have, you know, it probably did. But, you know, that's, you still play the game, you know, yeah. you still play the game. Did, did Rozier get hurt that game in the title game, or at least for a while? Rozier spent a little bit of time on the yeah. bench and Jeff Smith, um, you know, Jeff Smith did get onto the field and, and he played some, uh, he had some carries. Um, yeah, Rogier did get dinged up a bit. It was, you know, I mean, the, the it was very apparent early in the game, Miami was going to come out and hit you. Well, so was Nebraska. I mean, it was an incredibly hard hitting game, incredibly hard hitting. So I was just looking it up and, uh, there's a Bleacher Report article in the Miami National Championship in 1983 is the 13th, like, most undeserving national championship in college <laughs> football history, according to this article. Yeah. <laughs> and most likely because there was one clear team, they just lost on January 2nd or 1st right. or yeah. whatever. 
whenever it was. But like Todd, like you said, you played the game and it is what it is. Well, yeah. in, in Hurricane, you know, Miami was not ranked number two. Yeah. So yeah. that was another thing, like the, the the controversy. You know, I think a lot of this article is about who ends up playing because I talked about Oklahoma and that 2003 team that I was so emotionally tied to uh, and how we played LSU. And and that's the game right before it. It's saying number 14 on this list of undeserved because they were saying <laughs> LSU should have played USC. And, and they're not really necessarily wrong, but I was at that uh, LSU game. And I will tell you, if there was replay, it could have gone the other way uh, because there was a touchdown that they didn't give OU and a touchdown they gave LSU and we were on the field. You could see it in the replay and the giant scoreboard and everything. And it's like, oh, those weren't right calls, but they didn't replay back then. It was just the call. Right. Well, you know, um, there, yeah, there were, there were some sour grapes, you know, after the fact to an extent. Um, and, you know, but it, it created a rivalry, even though, you know, Nebraska, you know, I don't know how many times Nebraska has ended up playing Miami, but um, it started a rivalry and uh, Nebraska fans, um, they, they really got up uh, for Miami anytime they played them. And um, uh, I, I, I think that, um, I, I don't th I, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that you know there there have been other instances you know through you know the years with college football that I don't I don't want to call this a David versus Goliath showdown because you know Miami was they were ranked fifth I think fourth or fifth I mean they were legit but um, you know. That was during an era where there was there was a little more parody mm -hmm. than than there seems to be right now at the top, and the fact that Nebraska was so dominant, um, you know they they got a scare against Oklahoma State. They had a tough game with Oklahoma, and so they were battle tested. Um, and so, you know, maybe one of the ways to look at it is, you know, that Miami was underrated coming in, you know. Um, it was it was one of those games where, I don't know, I, I, in hindsight, um, I remember it as a great game, but I also remember it as a game where the best team didn't win um, on that night. Yep. Um, Which happens. But it was, it was also just a hell of a game to be part of, you know, it was a great game. People still call it one of the best games ever. Uh, yeah. and that stands up a lot now. Uh, what coming up on 40 years later. Or... Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a great game. Great game. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.